Welcome back to Screenfish Radio. I'm so glad you can join us this day. This day. Wow, that sounded so formal. I'm glad you could join us this day as we, as we are talking. What have we gotten ourselves into? The formality, it. my God. I welcome, welcome thee to <laughs> the radio of Screenfish. Um, I'm so excited this week to be talking about The Banshees of Inishirin, directed by Martin McDonough. And this not only is the film going to be fun to talk about, I'm looking forward to this conversation as I have two of my favorite people uh, here with me today, Deb Whalen and Dave Voigt from In the Seats. Uh, welcome to you both. Hey. Thank you. <laughs> I, I'm so glad to have you both here, and I am really looking forward to this. Banshees, Banshee, the Banchovies. It's this tale of tiny Irish fish. What is going on this morning? All right. Anyway, yeah, they walk the earth, and you know. <laughs> I need someone to create a cartoon called the Banchovies. The Banchovies. Like it needs to be a hot animated feature. It's <laughs> Today on the Banchovies. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about the Banshees of Inishirin, um, which. Directed by Martin McDonough tells a story of a remote island off the coast of Ireland where Padrick is devastated when his buddy Colm suddenly puts an end to their lifelong friendship. With help from his sister and a troubled young islander, Padrick sets out to repair the damaged relationship by any means necessary. However, as Colm's resolve only strengthens, he soon delivers an ultimatum that leads to shocking consequences. The film stars Colin Farrell, Brennan Gleeson, and Carrie Condon. And as always, this podcast is rated S for spoilers. And the film is in theaters now. But I would love to hear you both, from you both, what you thought of The Banshees of Inishirin. Ladies first, please. I, I was going to nominate you, but you went first <laughs> and nominated me. Oh, So I thank you. Thank you, Dave. Um, I I just squeaked a viewing of the film in last night. Um, went went to the. It was one of the first times I've like I, I don't go to the cinema very much any anymore. I watch everything at home now, so it was kind of cool just to be in the in the theater again. Um, and so everything about the viewing was grand, including that I really 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 loved this movie. <laughs> it uh, there's something really sort of like it, it sort of reels you in with this sense of like comfort and coziness and there's you know they have a, a rhythm to their days on this little island and you know every afternoon at two Parig goes down to the uh the pub and he picks up his friend Colm along the way and you know but very quickly that sense of comfort is startled and unsettled and you wonder what the heck is going on so even though you're unsettled your interest is piqued and uh, there's there's a there's a lot to like about this movie. A lot, a lot, a lot. I have to ask Deb, when you saw it in the theater, were there other people there? Like, was it, I I don't know. There were people in the theater. Okay. I, I showed up about fifteen minutes early, which is kind of unusual for me. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm not a an an, an early arriver um, on the regular, but uh, there there were i don't know maybe up to 10 people in the theater when i got there and then you know as the preview started playing more people came in and it wasn't packed um but yeah i mean on a 
random Thursday night. How how long is the when did the film come out? How many weeks has it been in? Oh, only only last week, I think. Okay. Yeah, but it's not a major like blockbuster release. So I, I wasn't I, I I just wasn't sure. Like it's a very interesting like niche sort of film. Yeah. So whether it's a Thursday or, or opening day, I just wasn't sure how many people would be there. Yeah, no, it was, I mean, I would say the theater was maybe about half full, half full hmm. on a random Thursday a week after opening night. You know, not not too shabby at the Varsity Theater on Bloor Street. Again, not the most popular of cinemas, um, but it, it has its, its faithful attendees. And I feel like people who go to the Varsity Theater are this is the kind of film that they're going for anyway so right that may have skewed the numbers in the film's favor <laughs> on a random thursday night a week after opening it, it may not be the same crowd as say black adam um it, I, I think that's a safe bet <laughs> agreed agreed <laughs> i will i will make a confession though M money's a bit tight right now and so I snuck past concessions with a can of stout in my purse. And because we know God is listening, I felt the need to confess. So, but God's one of our subscribers, actually. He's your primary subscriber. He's, he's our. He's somebody's listening. I don't know who it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just thought if I think it's appropriate that you snuck in a pint. That that's the thing, right? It, it is I appropriate. Have to be drinking some stout while I'm watching this film. I knew this well in advance. <laughs> so, like there's going to be plenty of pub scenes. They're all going to be drinking the dark stuff. Like I can't go without, but I also need to be cutting corners as much as possible. So, and I I had some at home. It was chilled. It was ready to go. We snuck her in. <laughs> I waited oh. for a loud part to make that <laughs> noise. <laughs> I may have done this before. Did you, did, you, did, you, did you do the overt cough, cough, or just, did you wait oh, for a lot of I hadn't yeah. thought of that. Apparently, I haven't done it enough times before. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the tip. For next time. Um, Dave, Dave, what did you think? Well, I mean, I, I absolutely loved it. I mean, this this really is a film that, I mean, it's it's dark it's hilarious it's emotional it's it kind of speaks to the times almost really but i mean it's one of those things where when you're watching something and you're that blown away by how much you've got to unpack with it it's again i mean i've been looking forward to this too just because it's one of those movies that just will spark conversation agreed yeah, it's it's really well done. Um, and, you know, not knowing, I I I've never seen in Bruges. Um, forgive me. Well, you should, but yeah, I that's what I've heard. Um, so my my knowledge of McDonough's work is fairly limited, and of course, I saw three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, and I know he he has Literally, a taste. You were in Missouri when you saw it, or I I did outside, just outside. Uh, I didn't see the movie. I just saw three billboards. Oh, there you I go. Assumed, okay. I assumed I got the gist. Um, you, heard that, you heard that joke here for exposure. For exposure. <laughs> <laughs> well, done, well done. Thank you. Um, but 
No, I, I mean, I I knew that he had a taste for the darkness, and it, that's what shocked me so much about the first half of this movie, because it's such a, you know, until fing until fingers come into play, it's kind of a very lighthearted comedy in a lot of ways, and it just goes. That's not foreboding at all until fingers come into play. Spoiler <laughs> alert! Hey, we're spoilers in this. It's okay, um, but uh, you know. When the first one goes, you're like, that's that's when it started to to take a turn, took took a turn, and uh, man, it, but it's it's so well done, it's so well written, and so well performed, and and this may seem weird to say because it's it's so rarely that I get to say this about a film. I don't think I've seen anything quite like it in a long time. I think that's very fair to say. I, I just, I just haven't. It's such a unique film, um, and funny as all get out. Oh my gosh! Like that, that even just the opening conversation where they're sitting outside the pub, and he's saying, oh, "You liked me yesterday." He says, "Well, did I?" <laughs> like, it's like, I, I loved when he's sitting there with you know his little buddy Dominic in the corner watching home in the other corner and being like he, he just says he doesn't like me anymore and dominic goes what is he 12 <laughs> which is exactly what we're all thinking right? yeah like we're like how childish is this man to just decide to not like his lifelong friend anymore like but it it leads you begging the question what is actually going on and you don't get a proper answer for a really long time and in fact i think you can get to the end of the film without without a satisfying answer to that question like you really have to sit there and chew on it and mull it over and like i i don't know did did i how would you answer that question like what is actually going on i made up my own story i know <laughs> um uh, yeah, um, he, I had no story. Uh, <laughs> I had nothing to share. Everywhere I was going to go, I don't, I don't want to go. Uh, no, because I, I think all we know is he just says he thinks he's an idiot. Isn't that what he said, essentially? Sure. That's the reason that he gives? Is there anything more? Well, that's the reason he gives, but is it the real answer? Well, I mean, there's that bit about his sense of his own mortality and wanting to leave a lasting mark right. and yada, 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 which, I mean, we all know is, you know, BS, but it 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 definitely had that sense of uh, the Brendan Gleeson character sort of struggling with his, uh, with his mortality, as it were. If that absolutely. makes any sense. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, that's, that's exactly where I went as well. And I mean, you can even take it a step further and like get the whole mess of projection you know, in there where, you know, he's he's looking at Colm is looking at Parig and seeing what he fears about himself in Parig. Right. This man is dull. he's boring. He's senseless. He's he's dull. Right. He's. And that, that is what he is afraid of, right? He doesn't want to get to the end of his life being an unmemorable person. He wants to be Mozart. He wants to be, you know, Beethoven or whoever else, you know, gets gets referred to or he's thinking of, right? Someone like Colin may be thinking of a number of 
different great artists whose names are, you know, in houses and mouths all over the place. But um, yeah, he's he's looking at his buddy and projecting onto him all of his fears and saying, you're the problem. Get away from me. But that's the funny thing to me is that like it's got to be projecting because he's doing nothing to prevent him from accomplishing these things. Like Patrick is not say, sitting there saying, why are you writing any music? Like, what's wrong with you? Don't don't create that lasting song. Yeah. Um, he's not interfering unless he just feels like relationships are interfering. You know, is is that what all it amounts to? I mean, if, if he's at that level of frustration, possibly, yeah. Mm. Yeah, because it, it's it's so unbelievably cold. And, you know, that's why I love the line, like you said, what is he, 12? Because the response is here. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's one thing to say you disagree with somebody's motivation, but, like, the, the response is here. <laughs> like, it's off the charts. Yeah. Um, to the point of dismemberment of himself. Um, he, does, he doesn't even try to take his fingers. You know, he, he doesn't threaten himself. He says, I'm going to do it to myself. If you don't leave me alone. So beautifully twisted. And if I'm not mistaken, very Irish. <laughs> I mean, they are, they are so... They're, they're such a... They're, they're so well known for, you know, like their passion and their emotion and whatnot but like they're so smart that sometimes they're willing to go to lengths that you know like the, you, you see you see these characters in, the, in these stories that are just willing to go to extra lengths just to make the emphasis known and it that just felt that felt like a very irish thing for me like i'm not going to take your fingers the threat is that i'm going to take mine and it will be your responsibility that i am in more pain it's, it's so much worse <laughs> it's like like it's true. You're you're because it's not even like I'm going to punish you. I'm going to I'm going to pour hot coals on your head for for being nice. For being like, I'm going to punish myself because of you. Yes. Um. It's and, and also it's this is a very small place, right? Hmm. Like it's this small collection of houses on a tiny island off the coast of another small island, right? Like, yeah. they're so isolated. So to, to say to someone, stay away from me, whether you were good friends or not, is, is a statement. And then to say it to a good friend, very suddenly, unprovoked. Like, it's, it, there, what I love about, one of the many things that I loved about this film was the subtlety of so many of the motivations. Like it's the core of things is so down deep. And so like, I, I was just left with this sense of, you know, like Brendan Gleeson's portrayal of someone who was experiencing deep despair and in deep turmoil he, he, on the surface, he did not come across as someone who was in any kind of turmoil whatsoever. But the more he spoke and as he reacted to things or didn't react to things, um, you could you could sense that it was way deeper down than than the surface. And and that that it, it, it in turn affected me very deeply. Right. Mm. All of all of Padraig's stuff is on the surface. And he's like, what is happening? You know, and then he gets drunk and all of his thoughts are out on the table and. You know, he just says what he thinks to people, whereas 
you know, Colm is is feeling something way deep down and it's taking quite a bit of time to get to the surface and as it gets there it's just you know tiny little bubbles and you know the real explosion isn't going to happen for some time Mm. it's just so well done so well done in creating character and the foils uh, you know of the two men next to each other very unsettling and I don't know why but I loved it (laughs) being unsettled that way it, it it's yeah, I love the way you put that because there's a great deal of subtlety going on between the two of them and the rest of the town it does, I I don't think the rest of, I think the rest of the town's just sort of watching it happen um but they've got their own drama because you've got see there are other unsettling things about this town like what's the the um Barry Co- Barry Coogan's uh character I forget his Dominic. name is that Dominic mm-hmm. his story is very dark and yeah. very very sad oh yeah his relationship with his father um and and there you've got actual like reasons for anger and hatred and and you've got the opposite response like uh dominic you know he walks away but he, he still doesn't he doesn't take uh he doesn't take things to any of the next level you know dominic doesn't and, and by that, I mean, he doesn't like kill his father or he doesn't, you know, like burn down the house or anything. He just, he just sort of takes it in stride. Um, and the rest of the town just knows it's happening. And they're like, oh yeah, well, okay. Well, he's your dad. It's like, no, no. Um, he's also a policeman. Yes. Right. The dad is also a policeman. So he's a man of authority and acts like it. If we have, if we have time a bit later, I would love to talk about the all cops are bastards theme in this film (laughs) because i really enjoyed it Um, but you know talking about the effect of power and whether or not that power is accepted by other people is what gives you the power and he had it you know dominic's father had it as the, the cop on the island yeah, that's a nope. great point. Oh, go ahead. Really, the, the film really is a statement of just the cruelty that we, we can inflict on one another just because we can. Mm-hmm. Not for any specific reason, just because, well, it's there. Why not? Well, that, that was one of the things I thought was so interesting. And then you've got this, you know, uh, you can make make of it as a grand allegory as you will, but you've got this mysterious civil war hanging or hand or taking place across the sea, and the guns the guns are firing and the guns are firing and they increasingly fire throughout the uh, throughout the film, and then after after the grand finale they stopped, mm-hmm. but but it's not over. It's never over. I mean, I think that's kind of the point. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. It's those things where we, we, we will just keep inflicting pain upon one another for, you know, whatever reason we want to make up today and then just go and do it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I mean, that's, that's a great, a great point, Dave. I mean, and this is one of the things, I mean, I, I want to come back to talk about the policeman in power there a little bit too, but, um, but, but if this is just what we do, could could anything have been done? Like, what could have been done to prevent it from? Because it escalates to an unreal level by the end. Um, 
Although I have to say, I'm not going to lie, I thought it was hilarious when they come into the pub and he's like, just leave him be, his donkey just died. And it's like, <laughs> oh, oh, now, now cut him a break. Oh, thank, thank you, Colum. Um, it's now, now we'll cut him a break. Not his donkey died. Say about many of your friends growing up in Toronto. That's, that's true. It's true. But like, I mean, it escalates to this unreal level. I just, I just wondered what you thought about that idea. See, to me, it wasn't an unreal level. Hmm. It was, it was, it was just the insensitivity and lack of empathy that, that pushed Colin Farrell over the edge. Hmm. And he's like, nope. We're, no, this, this, you started this, I'm ending it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, it like, I mean, if you look at his context, right? Like, he's already dealing with this, like, bizarre conflict with this friend. And then his, you know, on the day that his sister leaves for the mainland, quote, yeah. unquote, right? Um, to mainland Ireland. Um, so he's, he's, he's extra heartbroken. And he comes home to find more fingers in his yard and more streaks of blood on his front door and finds his beloved donkey, who is a le- miniature donkey. <laughs> it's like um, little Sebastian from... Uh, not unlike little Sebastian. Little Sebastian. Um, Parks and Rec. And, and he, you know, like, this This is, like, so beloved. Like, the sister had to keep kicking the donkey out of the house because animals are not to be let, let into the house, but it's only the donkey-like, you know? Like... <laughs> So he's miniature. He's not too. Here's a break. It's the donkey. You know these tiny Irish, you know houses are. They're literally tiny. They're a box with maybe a hearth in the middle, and like, but so even a mini donkey is going to take up space. Anyway, the donkey is so beloved. It is allowed in the house, and it's the cutest thing. Whoever they cast in the role of the beloved miniature donkey (laughs) was just brilliant. It's George Clooney. How many people know? It was. He was. You know what? I should have known looking in his eyes. It's 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 in there. Yeah, you can see. Yeah. Absolutely. But you know, to after all of this is building up, and then to find you know his beloved donkey dead, like it's just too much to bear. I could not blame him. I could not blame him for that being the last straw. He's already started to show signs of you know whipping that meanness around on other people. The way that he you know the the music student, I think, who he tells his father has been hit by a bread truck. Oh my gosh, yeah. yes. A red man. Oh, that, you know, but that was deliberate. That was his decision to he's he's trying to be bad at that point. Yes, well, I'm I'm gonna do it too. Very, he's not very good at it yet. It's true. Right? And then, you know, he has this terrible day and you know, the last straw with his, his donkey choking on one of his friend's fat fingers. Oh my gosh. And that that is just it, right? The heart just hardens. And that is that is where he goes cold. And, and I mean, ha- again, like I, I just listing all of these things to say, how could you blame him? How could you? I can't. Maybe no, neither can I. Can. Yeah, man, I don't. I don't know. I just think like I, I can. I can understand him snapping, but he not only burned his down, burned down his house in rage. He said, "I'm going to burn your house down tomorrow at noon. And if you're in it, that's fine. And if you're I, not, that's I'm not fine. To check. I'm not going to check. You do what you want." I'm like that. That's a bit much to me for a guy, even to snap. But I mean, I know he's been pushed to the brink. It's it's. But that's why I, I I like. What amazes me about this film, and actually, what I appreciated, 
is that by the time that they get to that and they're having that conversation on the beach, the house is gone. He says, now we're even. No, we're not. Because I don't even know at that time if either of them remembers what it's what started it. And 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 yet now it's like that war across the ocean. It's just sort of whatever started it, it doesn't matter because now we're here. And we're going to keep going. And that's what doesn't he say that I'm going to call this the beginning. Let's call this the beginning. Yeah. But that, that terrifies me. (laughs) It's it's the pointlessness of conflict. It's the pointlessness of. uh, I, you know, again, just. The light, you know, when, when, when one, when one side has no empathy and the other side comes with empathy, eventually the side with empathy will run out of their empathy. Mm -hmm. Right. Or have to walk away, right? And I, I feel like that was the thing, was that if one of them had just chosen to walk away and let it go, and not to say that that would have been an easy thing, but in order to preserve oneself, one's empathy, one's compassion, one's dignity, one's humanity, I think when you're engaged in conflict like this, it's not satisfactory, but sometimes the choice is to walk away. And if mm. you keep engaging, there's only one way for it to go. Um, I, I I was talking to Gary, who is my husband, about this film. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to watch this, but I want you to tell me all about it. And so I was going into this. And um, and he, he quoted, is it War Games? The... Uh, Matthew Broderick film. Oh man. Yeah. That's a, that's an eighties classic. Gary quotes it and says, the only way to win is to not play the game. Yeah. And Mm. I was just like, thank you, Gary. I'll be quoting you in the uh, podcast. Um, (laughs) Because like, that's just it, right? Like there, there are time, there comes a time when you either walk away or you are in it and you will be sacrificing more of yourself than the conflict is really worth. Um, whether and whether it's personal, right, a, a one-on-one conflict, or you know, uh, one side of the country on the other side of the country conflict, or a country against country conflict, like how 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 engaged do you want to be? At which point can you walk away, and at which point is it too late? And when you're stuck on a tiny little island, where do you walk away to when it's all you've ever known? Mm-hmm. Well, and. H- his sister leaves. Mm-hmm. She has to leave the island entirely yeah. to be done with it. Yeah. Siobhan literally is looking at this going, not for me, I'm out of here. Literally walks away. She she shows us that option of letting go, walking away. And not that it didn't cost her, right? This is where yeah. her, her only family is. This is where, you know, the life that she's known is. But it is not leaving her with many options, right? If she wants to maintain herself as she knows herself, she needs to go somewhere else. Or if she wants to grow and be something else, be someone else, she needs to go elsewhere because they're not offering her the opportunity. And it speaks to the fear of change that's inherent in sort of the human condition. You know, he can't leave. Mm. He, He literally can't leave. But couldn't he? Nah, I don't, you know what? I don't think he could just with the donkey and the animals and just sort mm. of his way of life and his sort of way of thinking. I don't think he had it in him to leave. Yeah. It's interesting because he does leave periodically. He just doesn't stay. 
because doesn't he go to the main island? Because I, I think the, or am I wrong? Is no, the, no, 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 no. He goes to the harbor where all the towns are and whatnot. He's still yeah. on the island. Oh, he's still on the island. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. I thought that maybe the mailbox. He's he's. It's like, it's like Truman Show. He's 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 at the harbor. He wants to get on the boat. No. Um. He just never gets on the boat. And he's not interested. But that's he's true. Been interested, if you ask me. He he just wants to get that back the way things were because they were good. Um, but, but yet they're not now. Um, I mean, isn't that a thing that we can all relate to yeah. wanting back the way things were, right? You lose your job. You just want things to go back to the, the way things were. Someone you love dies. You just want to go back to the way things were, you know, you become injured or sick and like you're, you're left a, a year or two ago, I had some issues with my eyes and my retinas decided that they didn't want to work properly anymore. And so I needed, like, I just very suddenly, through no incident or fault, I, uh, you know, was in the hospital for um, a number of months in and out um, getting work done on my eyes. And thankfully, my, my vision, vision is mostly recovered, but I just remember sitting there going, like, I just want to go back to the way it was. Mm. Like, why did this happen to me? why you know and you start asking all these questions that don't really have even if there are answers they are not satisfactory and you're just left longing for what was before um and again it's the same if someone dies it's the same if a friendship dissolves it's the same if you know i mean w we i think there are so many different things that life can pose there are so many things that can happen to us that leave us asking this question and so in in that way i think this film is so relatable um, because we will all ask ourselves that question at at least one point in our life, if not several times. Yeah, and over different things. You put that beautifully there. You know, it, it's interesting, and I won't won't get into any of the details or anything. But I, there was one point in my life where I I lost a friend expl explosively. I don't. You know, it's one thing to grow apart. Mm -hmm. I lost a friend explosively, and and and. And uh, I mean, mistakes were made, mistakes were made, but it, it came for me at the time, it kind of came out of nowhere. Like it was almost like that moment in the bar They said, well, we're in, I don't want to be your friend anymore. I'm like, what? why? Like it didn't. And, um, and it, it was very, very painful. You know, it was like this because we were very close. Mm -hmm. um, and it was it was one of those things that. Um, it was for me looking back again it was hard to get a clear answer eventually i got i got a bit of a clear answer and i still didn't fully understand but it was still like whoa my gosh like what it was like getting hit by a truck um now there are lots of other things in my life that i would say are more significant in terms of like i wouldn't want to go back to the way things were like you were saying but uh, I know that that was a moment uh, too, where I was just like, "What? Wh why? How did we get here? Mm -hmm. What is going on?" Well, and isn't that just a perfect mirror to, you know, what was happening between Colum and Potterig? Yeah. Um, it, you know, y you were sort of blindsided as Potterig was mm. by this decision that the other friend has made, and I wonder what would have happened if your friend or if column had actually you know 
let the other in on what was going on with them. I mean, as Canadians, <laughs> let's let's talk about our aversion to conflict and confrontation. Like, I see this in friendships all the time, in work relationships, all the time. I actually, one of the things that I, was really striking a chord um, for me with this film was the lack of, like, straightforward conversation like there were a couple of confrontations mm. Colum let parring in a little bit on what was going on with him but mostly just the decision he had made and again like his explanation of it was not very satisfactory but i wonder if that friendship couldn't have been salvaged if Colum had said to parig like I, I i i things feel bleak i feel insignificant right like sharing his feelings sharing his thoughts Every time he went to the priest, the priest said to call him, how's the despair? The priest knew what was going on with him. Oh, his yeah. Friend didn't. Yeah, that's right. So, like, could his best friend not have been an asset to those feelings of despair? Could he not have been of help? Right. Steve, if your friend had said to you, it annoys me when you do this or I feel this, you know, like if if he had just let you in on what was going on with him there would not have been that explosion. I'm willing to bet. I don't know the situation. No. Right? But it's a tale as old as time. And again, we see it in this film. Someone keeps something bottled up inside. And it, it when it finally bubbles up to the surface, you know, tiny bubbles at first and then just an outright explosion. Um, and yeah, I just, I go, I stand by my statement. I think Canadians are really bad for that as well right we just bottle things up bottle things up bottle things up until until we can't anymore like the pressure cooker can only go on for so long and then we just have these like random confusing explosions confusing to everyone around us and uh and sometimes the damage is irreparable i don't mm. like it i do not recommend it people go to therapy about <laughs> your feelings with a professional and then deal with your relationships accordingly this is my plug. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Free advice. But I mean, it, the film also speaks just to sort of the, I mean, I mean, as you guys have very eloquently alluded to, just the nature of male toxicity and sort of the myth that, you know, men don't talk about their feelings mm. and would rather blow up and cut each other's fingers, cut their own fingers off and throw them at the door and, you know, get into wars than sort of express how they're feeling to one another. That, that's a great point. I, you know, it's, and not only that, if you look at it from that perspective, Patrick is the one that's trying to do, trying to do the opposite. Mm -hmm. And he's the one getting pushed aside. Exactly. Yeah. And it's not until he stands up for himself and he's like, I'm nice. That's the worst thing that I've done to you, so sue me. And he's getting really mad and not nice about it. And that's when Colm says, I think I like him again. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're, he's so twisted and just so off-center and unbalanced. And again, that makes for a great character, but I don't think I would like him very much in real life. Like, he's just too much, that he's too much chaos in one body for me to be able to deal with. Who, Colm? Colm, yeah. Colm. Um, uh, we, uh, one thing I wanted to talk to as well, um, I, I would love to talk about the Banshee. Now I know that Deb, before we were recording, you were talking a little bit about Banshees themselves, but the role of the Banshee in this movie, 
is very interesting to me, but I can't really put my finger on it. I, I wanted to know what, what you two thought. What's the Banshee? Who's the Banshee? <laughs> that sounds like an 80s hip-hop song. Who is the Banshee? <laughs> Drop a beat. Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I think everyone presumes that. Is it Miss McCormick? Bring it up on MDB yeah. real quick. I keep wanting to call her Miss McCracken, but no, Miss, <laughs> Miss, Mrs. McCormick. Yep. You know, she's this very witchy looking woman who has a gnarled face and hands and smokes a corncob pipe and, you know, is always walking around with her head covered in flowing fabrics and appears out of nowhere. And it's a misty place to begin with. So it's, you know, she's just, she's very unsettling and everyone talks about how scared they are of her and people hide behind there, there's a reference to hiding behind walls and that happens right at the beginning of the film and then you start seeing more of the island and you realize that so much of this I think it's limestone that's um, you know one of the local resources uh, that has been used in so much of the construction like it, it, so many of these limestones have been you know constructed into these like great walls lining off all of the you know patches of farmland and um so there are lots of walls to hide behind when you see the Banshee or when other things happen that you're scared <laughs> of. There are many walls. It's almost like a metaphor. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think, I think she is sort of like the go-to image of what a lot of people would think of as a Banshee. Um, but I don't know. I think you can push that metaphor further, right? What whatever is is hiding inside of calm calm that is making him behave this way and starting all of that, like that feels like an unsettling banshee of its own. I think there are a number of things that you can point to that happen in the story, right? These these things that you uncover that have given way to conflict that have given way to effects on people right mm. the the stuff that's going going on in the the household of dominic and his cop father right like it like it's just it's unspeakable the fact that you know they refer to the dad interfering with his son and it, it it's you know that's it's so disturbing um these sort of sins these these harms that we cause to each other like those are those are terrible and terrifying and we want to hide from them the way that we want to hide from this this woman who is walking around this foggy island in flowing robes and saying weird things like someone's going to die maybe too <laughs> well you know what she reminded me of is like a greek chorus like that's is that's that's what kind of like i now again i know this is irish folklore that's stepping into and quite frankly my grand experience with banshees stems to the most terrifying film ever made which is darby o'gill and the little people um which traumatized me as a seven-year-old I, <laughs> I don't know can you can you tell us a little bit about it steve because i'm not familiar with that classic film really Yes, I, I literally want to know what you're referring Dave, to. Dave, tell me you know this film. I do. It's terrifying. It's Sean Connery's first film. Oh, Lord. And he's, he, 
Which is funny because isn't he Scottish? Yes, he, is. <laughs> he is Scottish, but he, he's an Irishman, people. an Irishman, Darby O'Gill, uh, living amongst or I, I don't remember very much. Uh, all I remember is my parents rented it when I was seven because they saw all they saw was Sean Connery running around with cute little leprechauns, and then they went out on a date this and left my wonderful. Yeah, and so they went out on a date and left my sister babysitting me. And uh, she, of course, didn't give a rip. She was upstairs on the phone. And uh, when the screaming banshee came on, uh, you know, the, the ghostly white presence, little seven-year-old me was hiding behind the chair begging for salvation. Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> what is happening? Father, 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 Father. That's, my, that's my experience with banshees. So... <laughs> A harrowing one indeed it was it was it was a rough night um but uh no i mean the fact that she would come and say these things and be like uh you know you know two people are gonna die you know all this stuff i, I was like is this is this a fate is this an issue of fate is this inevitability like why bother having her in this um in this particular story because she wasn't needed per se but she seems to to be sort of rooted in that Irish folklore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, she's a classic trope for sure. I don't have a better answer than that. I was going to say, don't all talk at once. <laughs> Slow down, everybody. Dave, what do you think? Any insights on that? No, not really. <laughs> That's fair. Moving on. And... <laughs> That's a question you could have sent ahead of time. Sorry, I didn't think of it until we no, were talking. <laughs> that's okay. I just, I just feel the need to chew that one through a bit. I um, and I, I think what what you said about you know like the the idea of the fates and you know the the role of the Greek chorus, um, I think gives some some scope to her position as a character in that film. But. I mean, I, I might say that, you know, she's she's the thing that we cannot ignore no matter how much we try. Mm. Um, yeah. And, you know, this, especially when you look at the character of Colm, he, he has been trying to ignore something that he cannot ignore. And I feel like he keeps trying to ignore it, right? I think him rejecting his friend is a version of him trying to ignore this thing that he feels insignificant. No one's going to remember him. He hasn't done anything with his life. Um, and so he feels like, this is me doing something about it. I'm going to take it out and on my friend and reject him. And it's it's still there, right? Mm -hmm. He gets distracted for a while. Um, but so he's trying, he's trying to hide from that sense of foreboding and despair. But the best he can do is distract himself away from it. It is still there when all of the chaos settles. Um, so... That's that's my best guess at that's fair. what she what she may represent is the thing that we can't ignore and will still be there. So sometimes you just have to bring her in for a chat in front of the hearth. Let her smoke her pipe. <laughs> His sister is the only one that likes her, and she even she's a little bit nervous. She but she love her. Well, I'm not saying she's beloved, but she'll. Um... Now, but uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about the policeman you'd mentioned. And I, I just, I felt like that was everyone's like disgust with 
the policeman and even like column goes back and forth you see them chatting in the pub and then in another scene he's punching him in the face like everyone just seems to really have whatever their relationship with the cop hate is part of it (laughs) 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 there's some real aggression that's shown to him and i i i I just that couldn't go unnoticed for me in our current political and and you know social climate where we're dealing with um, the question of the police force, what we use them for, how good they are at what we think they should be doing. Um, are there other ways that we can go about um, getting getting help when we need it? What kind of help do we need? And why do we just presume that the cops are what we need? Um, because a lot of people have been abused at the hands yeah. of people who have been given a lot of power. And I should also, I'd like to also point out um, that what we currently, like uh, the police force as we know it, um, that that whole structure goes back to um, the English in Ireland uh having having forces of soldiers that were specifically there to keep the Irish in line and mm. a- oppress them into submission. Um, and so that was sort of the, the formula that then, you know, uh, became the, the British police force in England. Um, and, you know, Billy's and Bobby's and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, you, you have that sort of framework when people are coming over to uh, to colonize North America as we know it now and uh, so like there is a real history of oppression Mm. in the police force um and i'm like i am shocked as you know all of these little nuances and bits of history are coming out that people hadn't really ever thought to question um i'm and i'm grateful that we're unpacking all of that um so yeah i mean all of that to say like this is sort of a personal journey i've been on um as as a person who is you know married to a black man i have lots of opportunity to to you know hear um the perspective from someone who belongs to a people group that has been specifically targeted and oppressed um and harmed by the police force um so i'm doing a lot of learning i'm doing a lot of um discovery and chewing through a lot of this stuff um so to see it in this film and then just sort of trace it all back to the history of the oppression of the irish by the english in you know colonized ireland um it just kind of came full circle for me Mm. which was really cool um even though what's not cool is oppression and power mongering so which we see far too much of these days. Yeah. 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 We can't. It is a thing that we can no longer ignore. It is hanging over us. It is around every corner, just waiting for us to deal with. And so like a banshee. Exactly. Synergy. There you go. It Synergy. all comes full circle. <laughs> That's why you're the host, Steve. That's right. <laughs> well done, like. <laughs> but yeah, I, I. That was very interesting to me because period pieces like that, I I don't often see cops made out to be villains, mm. right? And there was only one, right? So we don't really have a a control case to compare. <laughs> it wasn't the it was the entire police force and not the entire police force I mean, at the same time. It was one on guy a tiny, on a tiny island. 
right? Right. He may have been the only policeman. He may have been the police force. Right. But even even the way that, you know, he's in the pub talking to Colum and he's very, very excited about the execution that he's been invited to on the mainland. Right. You know, that, that penchant for violence and the way that there's the reference of violence and um, power often going hand in hand. Yeah. And it's it's power is a very difficult thing to wield benevolent benevolently um because it's it's just so easy to escalate that power into oppression hmm. um so you know the 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 policeman becomes this very this very excellent way of dealing with that theme of um power and escalation and you know responsibility which I think goes back to our initial friendship focus, right? Colum had the power to make his friend feel like shit, mm. and he used it. And I think part of it was part of it was intentional, but I think there was an unintentional um, element to it as well, right? He 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 never meant to get at at Parig, you know, by killing his donkey. He was sorry for that, <laughs> um, genuinely sorry, but still like. You know, th th there he he had power over his friend, and he abused it. Yeah, that's interesting. And you know, one of the other things I uh, that I think of when when you're talking there too, um, maybe this is a little bit of a juke to the left, but you've got the appearance of uh, the abuse of power with the police. You also have the appearance of legacy with Column. Because he wants to write the grand symphony, wants to write the grand song of Inishirin. Um, yet he's still doing these terrible things to make sure it happens. Mm -hmm. You know, he's cutting off his fingers. He's, he, you know, he's threatening his friends he, or his, his friend. He's fine with everybody else. That's all, every, for now. For now. Yeah. Who knows? Where um, does it stop? That's the question, right? Where does it stop? Yeah. It applies. And it's the curse of the ego, the id as well. Just, you know, he's he's cutting off his hand to spite his face almost, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Literally. But I'm, I saw what you did there. <laughs> that was good. I was hoping one of us was going to say it. <laughs> There's, so. When he says he's going to give you the finger, watch out. <laughs> each and every one. It, even, even that that element of body horror right like i don't know it just makes me it makes me very proud that like irish storytelling is willing to go there and that's an element that appears in in lots of irish storytelling especially the older stuff um so um north what we know now uh it, as northern ireland or the north of ireland depending on your political persuasion um but the the part that politically belongs to uh the uk um, that is a province of Ireland that has um, their flag. It, it looks a lot like the English flag. So it's a white background with um, St. George's Red Cross on it. And right in the middle, there's a little gold emblem with a red hand in the middle of it. It's known as the Red Hand of Ulster. And the story of that hand um, goes back to a feud over the land. And there are two men who are competing for it and it's decided that they need to run a race around the perimeter and whoever crosses the finish line first will be the owner of that land hmm. and one of the men is losing 
And so he cuts off his hand and throws it over the finish line in order to beat his competitor. And that, you know, blood-covered hand <laughs> uh, what? becomes, you know, an emblem on the flag. Um, so there's, there's this real sort of, like, willingness to go to great lengths to get the story told, right? There's this, they're, they're willing to, they're willing to go there. And, and it, it, again, I, I, like, I, I'm not an, I'm not an expert on elements of story and, you know, what this means for the human psyche and all that kind of stuff. But that, that old kind of, um, goriness, right? Like it just, it feels like a, a more ancient thing. Um, to me and that that is a relic that continues to get used and and I loved seeing it in this film gross as it was I mean it's not it's not the kind of like element that I go to see a film for but when used well I can handle that kind of body horror um, because it's it's impactful it's powerful and I think they did such a good job of that like this man is willing to literally sacrifice bits and pieces important bits and pieces of himself right he's a fiddle player what is he doing hacking off his fingers what is he doing he's quite confused if you ask me <laughs> i thought he was i didn't think he was confused i i, I mean i don't know i don't know why you went there it seemed perfectly legitimate to me <laughs> it's like just a logical conclusion it requires a lot of sacrifice in order for him to make the point that he's willing to make it's fair rather rather foolish if you ask me <laughs> excuse me but there's there's your bit of that's that's my my limited knowledge on you know older irish storytelling and a <laughs> a, a related thought of how gross the Irish are willing to to <laughs> prove a point. They are not afraid to go there. So we'll put that in the description for this episode. And and gross Irish storytelling. Deb gets <laughs> gross and lets you know about Irish storytelling. Deb gets gross. A new segment here on Screenfish Radio is Deb gets gross. And uh, be on Deb gets gross. <laughs> It'll be short-lived. It's not my favorite thing. <laughs> um, just before we wrap up, uh, I was wondering if there's anything else that you you all want to talk about before, with, in relation to the film. I mean, I think for me, just the commentary on how easy it is for for us as a species to to kind of lose empathy for one another, and I mean, and that's why it speaks so relevantly to just you know modern day and what's going yeah. on now because we, we kind of see it in every walk of life and it's it's horrifying and it's sad and you just have to keep fighting against it you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah that honestly that is so heartbreaking about this film that is that that's the thing i, I think i said it before by the end you don't even know why you're doing it you just you've oh here i'm and again, uh, <laughs> violence against the mic. Violence against my microphone. Why did um, you do it? I don't know. Um, but I mean, the fact when you lose empathy, how quickly, um, how quickly you can lose ground and sight. Yeah. Of of what matters, it's it's astounding to me. It, um, it sort of. It, I I had I had wondered at one point. 
like where this story had come from. Like I had wondered how it was developed. And it occurred to me that like lots of communities where, you know, most people know most people have have those stories of, you know, the two people who don't get along and no one can quite remember why anymore. Yeah. And I, I wonder if it was just someone going, why might, you know, pe two people who have soured against each other, like, what would the story be there? Um, and I think, I think this is just such a satisfying explanation of that, right? Very specific. Yeah. But I, I think that sometimes it's just really like, you know, that slow increment of like one, like a, a dumb or seemingly insignificant thing leading to another thing and it slowly escalates and the next thing you know, these two are notoriously at odds with one another. Really good storytelling. A very simple premise with a really good story. I, I, I loved it for that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Sorry, Dave, were you going to say something there? No, no, no. Just agreed. You know, just you know, it, it was a mm of agreement <laughs> for sure. Well, uh, having said that, let's see if we have an mm of agreement ourselves. Let's screen it or skip it. The Banshees of Inishirin. <laughs> screen it or skip it. Oh, it's a screen. I think it's a, it's a screen hit. I mean, I, I don't think we've said anything to the contrary. It, this is, again, it's it to me. This is a movie about the human experience in you know the highs and the lows, most of the lows. But it, it's 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 got a genuine honesty to it and a genuine sort of frankness to it that's necessary and also really hard to look away from. I mean, I think this is one of the best films of the year. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're talking about it being Oscar-worthy, right? Yeah. For for a very good reason. I mean, and the Oscars are not the be-all and end-all of, you know, they're they're not the authority. It's not? Oh, my God. What am I in this industry for? Okay. <laughs> there, are, there are far too many movies, even just in a year, to choose one as the best. Um, so, I mean, I have questions about the authority of the Oscars. But they they do look at films for a reason. And I think this one is, I, I, I would agree, Dave, this one is definitely worthy of the Oscars looking at. And I think it's worthy of the rest of us looking at it. So I say screen it or else. <laughs> or else. She'll take one of her fingers. That's. Uh... <laughs> I'm a guitar player. I would never. <laughs> I also like typing. <laughs> and, you know. Using a fork. I mean, there, there's so many things, right? Like, I just, I, I like, I like all ten of them. I will keep as many of them as I have power to keep. That's fair. Yeah, it's skip it for me. This movie sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll be right there with. <laughs> no, it's phenomenal. It's excellent. It's. Uh, I agree. I think it's one. Of, it's not. I don't think it is the best film I've seen this year, but it certainly is in the conversation. It is absolutely phenomenal. Well yeah, written. We, we well know for you, it's Black Adam, so that's fine. I was gonna say maybe you watch Darby O'Gilligan. <laughs> My heart, my soul went dark for a moment there when you said that. Ice cold. <laughs> that movie messed me up as a kid. Um, oh, dear. And Black Adam messed me up as an adult. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> don't see Darby O'Gill, but don't see the That's right. If you see one Banshee movie, <laughs> go to Anna Sheeran. 
<laughs> if you see two, don't just see, <laughs> don't don't do that. Oh don't. God. <laughs> Darby don't see Darby O'Gill. No, uh, just see Banshees again within a Sheeran. It's true. I recommend. I the fact that I could only watch it once before doing this podcast was a bit of a sad thing for me. And, uh, <laughs> I'll be watching it over and over again. Gary hasn't seen it yet. We're gonna enjoy that together. I would love to hear what you and Gary. Uh, 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 that conversation between you and Gary after this will be fun. As, as an Englishman and a pseudo Irish woman, we have lots of great conversations about those kinds of stories. <laughs> Um, thank you both. This has been phenomenal. You know, I appreciate you both and I appreciate you both coming on to chat. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Always. Anytime. Um, how can people connect with you? You can plug your stuff. I, I don't do anything significant, uh, you know, in terms of like work life on social media. I just like to, you know, be present and be available. So, I mean, you can always... You know, come at me. On <laughs> what? Is, is that a phrase you want to say on a film we just discussed? It's like... Just... I don't have any anything sharp enough to... It feels problematic saying that. I'm I mean, just going to put it I, out I, there. I suppose so. Fair. It feels... I, I'm just saying, if, you know, you want to connect with me, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the socials and whatnot. Uh, but, you know, uh, you don't, I don't have any sort of, like, professional reasons. Okay. <laughs> I work with a bunch of churches doing interesting alternative takes on, you know, Christianity and worship and all that kind of thing. And I really like art. I think art is an important part of that, whether it's music or film or literature. Um, so if you want to talk about any of that stuff, you can come to me. <laughs> come to me is better than come at me. So much better. <laughs> I, again, I'm a Canadian. We don't like conflict. <laughs> Well, what about Dave, you, Dave? Dave, where can people come at you? Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, as always, Steve, you can uh, you can find me and uh, the good people who work with me over at In the Seats. Uh, we're on the Facebook, the Twitter, and the Instagram, uh, and you know, at InTheSeats.ca, where we cover all things that the moving image has to offer. You know, and come read about it, and come listen to our podcast. Uh, in the seats with where I sit down with a wide ranging variety of entertainment industry professionals and I pick their brain about current projects, state of the industry, and so very much more in a light and conversational fashion, which is available on all podcast platforms as well as YouTube. So please go check us out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, for you at home, a reminder, you can find us wherever podcasts are available uh, and you can find us on YouTube. Uh, you can like and subscribe to us as well. Uh, if you go to the podcast page on screenfish.net, you can download Fishing for More. Some small group questions helped you get this conversation started where you are about the film that we uh, we have just seen together. Um, and uh, we will be back next week to talk about Barbarian, which is a film I have not seen uh, as of yet, but it is on Oh, you're in for a treat. You're in for I a have, treat. I have heard that, and I have been drafted by... Uh, by two gentlemen who want me to watch this film. So I'm going to talk about Barbarian next week. So um, thank you both for coming on. And for you at home, we started the conversation. This was Screenfish. And hit those subscribe buttons. It's important. Hit it. <laughs>